detail on the uh, persecuted church around the world, and that's just another example of, uh, well, an example of what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Good old Dionne Warwick, 1970s. You know, I was uh, watching uh, uh, The Voice, and if you watch The Voice, a lot of these like retro songs are coming up, you know, they're singing all these old songs. I say they bring that one back, you know? What the world needs now is, is love, sweet love. It's true, isn't it? When you, lo- you look around, and I mean, <laughs> what is going on in our world today? I mean, there are divisions. Like, we define ourselves by divisions. We define ourselves by how I'm, op- how I'm not like you, not, not how I'm like you, you know? I mean, uh, there was an interview with uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas recently, and you know what he said in that interview? He says, there's absolutely nothing in America that unites us anymore. That's kind of a sobering statement. Um, there is... <clears throat> there is dysfunction all around. I mean, what, what seems to get, you know, attention? What seems to be where the focus is? It's like angry, you know? Hatred and anger seem to be so prevalent. And then, and then there's this deviant behavior that's coming to the surface. Have you been watching the news that's coming out of Hollywood lately? It's like, man, there is some crazy, twisted stuff going on. You know, when we evaluate who we are as a church corporately and who we are as Christians individually, I think now more than ever, Jesus' words to us that's found in, in Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, John chapter 13 and verse 35. He says, But this, by this all men, by, by this all people, will know that you are my, dis- my disciples if you have love for one another. What the world needs today from you and I more than anything now is love, sweet love. (laughs) You know, over the last um, several years now, um, the staff primarily and the elders, but we, we talk about like, what should be our theme for the year? You know, like, what should be that thing that, that pushes us along? What should be that, that focus that we have when it, when it helps us decide, well, what should we do or what shouldn't we do? And, and every year we sort of come up with different themes, just different sayings that we have where, where it just helps us to stay focused, right? So a few years ago, it was below the surface. Some of you were with us a few years ago. We were talking about going below the surface. Like, like let's make sure that we go, you know, we're, we're not just sort of surfacey with one another, but we really kind of, you know, unpack our lives at a deeper level. Last year, uh, it was building bridges. And you remember the 50th anniversary, we actually built a bridge on the stage. And it's the idea of building bridges with one another and building bridges with the community out there and that we should just really focus on building bridges. And, uh, and so our, our planning and stuff was how are we going to go about doing that? We just finished the REACH conference uh, just a few weeks ago where it was like, how do we build bridges to tell people about Jesus? And and, uh, and so this year, and normally our years go somewhat close to the, to the school year, so you're wondering, well, it's not like January, you know, like, what are you talking about this year? So this year, uh, we've done a lot of discussing, we've done a lot of praying, we've done a lot of thinking, and, and, and we've come up with this as our theme for the year, loving fearlessly. And it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, in our world today, to be loving boldly, you know, to be loving courageously, to be loving fearlessly 
is what we ought to be all about. Shouldn't it be? Honestly? I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, oh, let's do it. Let's, let's love fearlessly. But it's harder to actually live out. And the reason why it's harder to live out is because what's the core of that second word? Fear. Fear gets in the way of loving well. Fear, insecurities. Um, if we're going to love fearlessly, it means we're going to take some risks. It means we're going to push into things that we might not really want to push into for the sake of love. But Jesus wants us to love each other. I mean, the world will know that we're His followers, His devoted followers, by how we love each other. And this is something that's not just something that the staff sort of comes up with some nice little statement. We want to make sure, well, is that what God's Word teaches us beyond Jesus telling us to do it? Which, of course, you know, you really don't have to go beyond that. But there's more in the Bible that, that highlights this. And we, we came up with a, a couple of verses in 1 John that I think really are sort of like the theme verses for the year. So if you have a Bible handy, you can go over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. If you don't have a Bible handy, I have the Scriptures up here on the screen. The Apostle John writes these words. He says, For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. Fear involves, I'm going to get hurt. You know, fear involves pain. Fear involves, uh-oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Mm-mm. And the one who, who fears is not perfected in love. So in order to love well, we must love fearlessly. And then I love verse 19 because it's really the motivation behind it all. We love because He first loved us. As Jesus has loved us, I hope this year we'll keep pushing into, we'll keep going after the idea, well, as Jesus has loved us, we ought to love each other. And to get us headed down that path, I want to spend from now all the way to Christmas in focusing on this theme, how to really love each other fearlessly. And in order to do that, I want to go to two other letters that the Apostle John wrote. He actually wrote uh, five books in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote the book of Revelation. And then he wrote these three letters, 1st, 2nd, and third John. And so over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to drill down, we're going to root ourselves in the two other letters that John wrote, in second John and in third John, which are very, very short letters. However, if we can just focus in on them, I think it will help us to drill down into what it really means to be loving fearlessly. So we're going to cover such topics as, okay, um, what if there's a deceiver? You know, what if we're getting deceived in some way? How do we handle that? Or, or um, if we're going through some difficulties, how do we love well through difficulties? How do we partner with one another in a loving way to carry out what God wants us to do? How do we nurture each other's souls? You know, how do we feed each other's souls that God has, has us in, in each other's lives with one another? How do we enjoy God's goodness together in a healthy way? And, and there's many other things that I know these two, two letters are going to highlight for us, but for today, we're going to see how fearless love and flawless truth 
go hand in hand. Fearless love and flawless truth must not be separated from one another. That we, that we, if Jesus wants us to love well, we must couple this love with the truth. Truth that is pure. Truth that is unchanging. Truth that is perfect. Truth that is absolute. Yes, truth that is flawless. So as we start into 2 John, right off the bat, we're going to see that Fearless love and flawless truth don't just go hand in hand, but actually we love fearlessly for the sake of flawless truth. Fearless love is for the sake of flawless truth. And that's true. I mean, if we care for each other boldly, if we take risks to honestly communicate our love, it will be in order to live in the truth with one another, instead of just living a fogginess or living that's not true. So watch how truth and love interact with each other as we just start this letter of 2 John. 2 John, there's only one chapter, so we'll begin right there in verse 1. The Apostle John starts and he labels himself. He says the elder. That's, he calls himself the elder. Now that could mean that he is the leader of the church, or it could mean that he's quite old, but he's probably both. I mean, he has a lot of respect here the elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. For the sake of the truth, which abides in us and will be with us forever. Now, notice he... He's writing to the chosen lady and her children. Now, as we unpack 2 John, we're going to find out that this is actually a personification of the church corporately and the individual Christians inside of it. The chosen lady is the church. It's to identify the church corporately. And then her chosen, her, her children, I'm sorry, her children are those individual Christians in the church. John loves the church corporately. He loves the church in truth. And he loves the Christians in the church, those children of the chosen lady in the church, each and every one of them. And then notice, not only does he love them, but it says at the end of verse 1, and not only I love them, but also all who know the truth. If we align ourselves with that which is true. If we focus on the truth, our hearts will grow as John's heart grew. We will find ourselves loving the church and loving Christians as we mature in truth. And John not only loves in truth, but notice at the, be- at the beginning of verse 2, for the sake of the truth. So that's why I have in your outline fearlessly Fearless love is for the sake of flawless truth. We love for the sake of truth. Now, before we go on any further, I just keep saying truth, 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 truth. And it might be good to ask the question that Pontius Pilate asked Jesus when Jesus was arrested. If you go back to John chapter 18, uh, Jesus says these words to Pilate. He says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And you remember the question that Pilate asked him after that? Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate then asks the question, what is truth? 
I just think in our day and age, that is an excellent question. I think in our day and age, there's a lot of confusion around what is the truth, actually. Now, to really, in my own mind, think deeper about it, I stumbled across a book that I bought on my Kindle this week just to read deeply into it. It's a book by the famed apologist of our day. An apologist is someone who defends Christianity in our world, and his name is Ravi Zacharias. Some of you know the name Ravi Zacharias. He recently has, cur- has just published a new book, and it's co-authored by a guy named Vince Vitale. And the book's name is Jesus Among Secular Gods, The Countercultural Claims of Christ. It just came out. I have, uh, I have it on my Kindle. I got to just get it quickly, but uh, I would recommend the book as I've, as I've kind of dug into it this week. And Vince, Vitality, uh, Vince Vitale is not uh, a dummy in himself. I mean, he's a brilliant guy. He's got a Ph.D. from Oxford University. He's been a professor at Oxford, a smart guy. And he says that truth is hard to come by these days. He says basically in the book that people will give, like, they'll, they'll tell you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving you the honest truth. And then if they really want to, really want to give you the truth, they add to it, no, 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 I'm giving you the God's honest truth. As if truth has some sort of levels to it, you know? We tend to blur, uh, we tend to, I'm sorry, bury uh, God's truth. Uh, it's for the sake of not hurting anybody. Like, we don't want to tell the truth. We don't want to come into the truth. We don't want to talk about the truth or share the truth because we're afraid it might hurt if we actually open it up to be seen. And so, what we oftentimes do is we only share partial truths. You know, only the part that's going to go over pretty well. But to actually live in the truth, that's risky. That's harder to do. Yeah, um... We've become skilled at manipulating the truth. We stretch the truth. We bend the truth. We twist the truth. And then we can add qualifiers when we really want people to believe us that we're talking about the truth. We'll say, no, 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 no. Okay, all right, to tell you the truth, and then we say whatever, as if we haven't been telling you the truth prior to that, you know? Or no, in truth, in truth. Okay, in truth. Okay, now this is like, really listen to me, because before I really wasn't telling you the truth. Uh, it can get slippery there. Then he writes in the book, um, we hate that people won't accept us for who we truly are, but we spend most of our time on social media trying to convince people we're someone who we truly are not. You know, We're only going to give these really cool things about us and not really anything else that is also true about us. So when John uses the word truth here, Let's be really clear on what he's talking about. John is not just talking about objective reality. In other words, an objective reality is we are all staying in our seats or I'm standing here and we're held to the ground because of gravity. That's just an objective truth. And he's not just talking about um, some insights you know, that seem to be accurate. Like, oh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's true. Like you have some level of discernment. That that discernment and and identifying that which is true or that which isn't true, it's not just what he's talking about here. And actually, quite candidly, when he's talking about living in the truth, he's not 
talking about just making sure that we're in the Bible. Now, this is God's truth, definitely. But this isn't just what he's talking about when he talks about the truth. The truth is, those things, yes. However, the truth is the indwelling power or the internal compulsion driven by an ongoing relationship with the one who said he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's a relationship with Jesus. And the truth is found in a close connection to the Holy Spirit. A sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Where we sense the Spirit of God speaking and testifying and guiding and nudging our hearts. As a matter of fact, John wrote in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 6 these words. He said, it is the Spirit, the Spirit, capital S, who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Jesus even said that the Spirit will lead us into all truth because He is the Spirit of truth in John 15 and in John 16. And so, in the church where the Christians are, the chosen lady and her children, when the Holy Spirit is in us and we have a relationship with Jesus and we know God as our Father and we're following after Him, this is the place where flawless truth ought to be pursued by us and found by the world. We are in this world, according to 1 Timothy 3.15, we are supposed to be the pillar and the support of the truth. So in all the world, it's right here where we must be loving fearlessly and we must couple that for the sake of flawless truth so that we draw near to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit in us in alignment with His Word. And therefore, to love in truth is something you and I must fight for. We must fight for loving in truth. Now, when I say fighting, I... Uh, <clears throat> Makes me thankful, actually, that we live in a community, Manitowoc, where in the public school system, where my kids have been growing up, um, they really emphasize no bullying and no fighting. And I love that. I love that. Now, back in my day, you know, when I was growing up, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, I don't know, I think I'm kind of an odd nut here when it comes to fighting. Because I was thinking back, I got into four, I think four fights growing up. I don't know, guys, my age roughly, did you used to fight a lot? I don't know why I was, like, I, like, honestly, I, don't, I didn't start them. <laughs> but I got in a fight in third grade, I remember that. I got in a fight in sixth grade. I got in a fight in eighth grade. And I got in a fight in 11th grade. You know that 8th grade fight? That one, I remember that one. That, that was with a guy named Jim Watson. I'll never forget him. I was coming off the bus in the morning, and I didn't really even know Jim, right? I, I mean, I, I knew of him, but I didn't really know him. 
And I get off the bus in the morning, going to Forest Park Middle School, and Jim meets me there right, before, right in front of the doors, and he tells me that he hates me and he's going to beat me up. And immediately I'm thinking to myself, hate me? What is there to hate? I'm a likable guy. Why do you hate me? And he starts going at it, you know. He start, and I'm like, whoa, wait, wait. I'm all of a sudden in a fight, you know. I'm fighting Jim. Now, fortunately for me, who came off the bus with me were all my, you know, my, my homies, my, my buddies, you know, my friends. And they immediately, like, pounce on Jim and, like, take him down. And, like, I barely even got in a swing or two, and, and it was over. And, you know, in my adult mind, uh, as I've pondered it a little bit, I've thought, yeah, why would Jim hate me? He used the word hate. Uh, I was a guy growing up who liked to goof around. I, liked to, I just thought like everything was fun. You know, like, let's just make a joke about things. Let's just have fun. Let's just kind of goof around a little bit. Jim, from what I knew of him, was a, a serious young guy. He saw the world as something to be very serious about. I saw the world as something to joke about. And, uh, and so, as I got off the bus, and this, these dueling worldviews, I think Jim, I don't think he thought this through, but there was a part of him that's like, if I can beat up Jeremy then this whole thing about seeing the world you know, always a joke will be shot down and now the serious look of life will, will, will reign. Unfortunately for Jim, I won. Matter of fact, come to think of it, of all four of those fights, I never started them, but uh, let's just say I finished them. You know what I'm trying to say? Well, anyway, I digress. I have a point here, and the point is this. Because Jim lost, and I was more popular than Jim, my way of how things are going to operate around here won. And Jim got kind of pushed to the side. And sadly, I think that's how our world operates. The powerful win. And when someone disagrees with them, they get shut down. They don't get to express themselves. Now, in the church, I'm not suggesting that we should fight. But I am suggesting that we should fight for an environment where truth is nurtured, where truth is gone after. And the only way it can be nurtured is in an environment where we can disagree without being disagreeable. Here, we must be okay with people doubting. We must be okay with differing, differing ways of looking at things. It must be a safe place where we can be wrong in our pursuit for that which is right. We must continue to fight for an environment where we can passionately pursue the truth. And we don't have to worry about getting beat up in the process. We don't have to worry about getting in trouble if we you know, maybe explore something that doesn't seem to go along with the flow. Because perfect love casts out fear. Fearless love 
and flawless truth go hand in hand in order for us to experience God's goodness in this place. We want to experience God's goodness, then we have got to be fearlessly loving each other and passionately going after flawless truth, perfect truth, God's truth. And we'll experience God's goodness. Look at verse 3. He says, Grace, mercy, and peace be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Now, you see where grace, mercy, and peace come from. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. But if you take the meat out of the middle of that verse and you read the beginning and the end, this is a true statement. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us in truth and love. You see that? When we are passionately pursuing truth and love, we will know God's grace, mercy, and peace. Now what's sad is when we are outside of passionately pursuing loving fearlessly and flawless truth, when we're outside of that, we won't experience the goodness of God. And sadly, I see this in many churches. You go into a church and you're like, man, it's just kind of dry, you know? It's kind of lifeless. Like, like there's, there's not a lot of, there's something missing there, you know? It's, it's cold in some way. Why is that? I'll bet. I'll bet it's because of what verse 3 says here. I'll bet it's because whatever they're up to in that body of believers, they're not going after loving fearlessly. And they're not going after the flawless truth of God. You and I, we must. We must go after it. May fearless love and flawless truth multiply among us. May fearless love and flawless truth multiply, where we can see, all right, yeah, this is growing here, I can tell. Look at what he writes in verse 4. John writes, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. By the way, we're talking about this not because the staff has come up with some sort of catchy phrase. We're saying this because it's the command of the Father for us to do this. Speaking of commands of the Father... I remember the commands of my father. My father had a way of us, my dad had a way of us living the way that we're supposed to live, and his commands were always coupled with a crack. I mean this, um, if you don't feed your chickens, you're going to get a crack. Or, did you take the garbage down to the road? No, I forgot. Well, you're getting a crack. I'll never forget, it was pretty common driving to church on, on Sunday mornings. Uh, you know, I have eight siblings, so it's this big old station wagon packed full of kids. We're driving to the church, and it was pretty common for my dad saying, now listen here, kids, you goof around in church, and when we get home, you're getting a crack. No noise, or you're getting a crack. So we get to church, you know, and I would purposely sit real far away from my dad like he'd be down the pew from me, you know, and I'd have my brother or my sister next to me. Again, I kind of like to goof around a little bit, kind of like to have a little bit of fun. I've really matured since then, just so you know. I'm very serious right now. I'm very focused. But anyway, I'm sitting here in church, and uh, it, you don't want to sit by my dad because if you're goofing around by him, you get the old yank of the hair, you know. You ever get any of you? No? Yeah, the old yank of the hair, that meant... You get home, you're getting a crack. So I, 
I'm sitting there, my, my sister's sitting next to me typically, and, and, and you can't help it, you know? You just start goofing around a little bit. And my dad is down at the other end of the pew, and you see one of these. When he gives the old jerk of the head and stares you down, you knew, when I get home, I'm getting a crack. I actually didn't really like going to church as a kid. Because it was, I mean, I don't know, nine times out of ten I'd get home and get a crack. I, I like how, how John motivates here. For the children and the cho- chosen lady, look at how he motivates in a positive way. In the beginning he says, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in, the tru- in truth. It's like, you know, going to an award ceremony for your kids at school. I love those award ceremonies, you know? It's like, hey, you know, you had got great grades, uh, you get an award. You, you know, you had great attendance, you get an award. You had some great achievement, you're going to get an award. It's this positive, this positive motivation to have fearless love and flawless truth be our experience in this place. Like John here, we must not scold but we must praise. We must not shame, but encourage. We must not scorn, but be kind. Where we create a positive environment. For perfect love casts out fear. For fear involves punishment. Fear is not the environment. (laughs) that God called us to create. No, He calls us to create a positive environment. I also notice another positive here, right in the midst of that. Notice He says, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth. Now, I can tell you, I don't see the world like John sees it so often. It's such a good reminder for me here because my default switch, you might have a few people that are like, you know, yeah, they're loving fearlessly. Yeah, they're going out. They're growing. You can just see it in them. Like, like they're on fire for Jesus. There's all these positive things, right? And then there's these others that are like not on board. You know, let's just put it that way. They're, they're, just, they just, they're Christians, but they're not, they're not going to be fearlessly loving. They're not going to you know, pursue that flawless truth of God. They're, they kind of do their own thing. or they're, 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 Well, they're, they're not very nice sometimes. I... Maybe many of you, instead of focusing on these few that are awesome, that are so energizing, we tend to fret over the ones that aren't. And I just love how he has this positive attitude where it's like, no, no, no. I I was very glad to find that some of the children, not all of them, we realize that, but some of them, I'm so excited that some of them are walking in the truth just as we receive commandment to do from, from the Father. It's like, Yeah, there's this positive vibe that John has given off. And I think we need to keep promoting it here. May fearless love and flawless truth in a positive way multiply among us. The last verse that I'm going to share here out of 2 John is verse 5. He says this, Now I ask you, lady, I ask you, church, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we... Love one another. Now that is our beckoning call. This whole series is going to help us. It's going to challenge us 
to be a church that loves one another fearlessly, deeply, courageously for the sake of God's truth, God's perfect, holy, uh, flawless, unchanging truth. It's God who calls us to pursue these things. And we do it in Jesus, in alignment with His Word, by the testimony and the by the testimony and the strength that the Holy Spirit provides. Because what the world needs now, more than any time in history, is love, sweet, pure, powerful, fearless love. And God wants the world around us to know that they can find that kind of love in no other place than in the chosen lady, among the children, in the church. And for us, may it be in this church, Faith Church.